Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. For the main sermon and teaching time. And so the third Sunday, we like to do something about the family. So I'm going to be using the message version of the Bible for this part. Normally I use the New King James, but we've got it to be able to put up on the screen. It is Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Now many roles in families have changed in modern times, but truth is still truth. So I want you to think about how the family unit was put together at the time Scripture was written, and there are certain principles that we can still live by and begin to understand. So in Titus chapter 2, starting at verse 1, it says, Your job is to speak out on the things that make for solid doctrine. Guide older men into lives of temperance, dignity, and wisdom, into healthy faith and love and endurance. Guide older women into lives of reverence so that they end up as neither gossips nor drunks, but models of godliness. But uh, by looking at them, the younger women will know how to love their husbands and children. Be virtuous and pure. Keep a good home. Be good wives. We don't want anyone looking down on God's message because of, uh, of, because of their behavior. Also, guide the young men to live disciplined lives. But mostly... Show them all of all this by doing it yourself, incorruptible in your teaching, in your words, and solid and sane. Then anyone who is dead set against us, when he finds nothing weird or misguided, might eventually come around. There's so much that's there. When, when we look at thinking about our place in the body of Christ, we all know that we start out as babies and we know we age. Change happens for us. There's different seasons in each of our lives. And whether you have been married and divorced and married again, or whether you've been married and never been divorced, or whether you're single and you've never been married, every part, every person fits into the family of God. There are different challenges for every single one of us. But the importance is here, take a look at what he speaks of. He said, for you old men out there. Now, I didn't expect anybody to say amen on that. But he says, thinking about the older men, be solid in your doctrine, temperate, have dignity and wisdom, be healthy in your faith and love, then have an endurance that will last in that love. Guys, you that are grandpas in this place, let me tell you something. First of all, it's a great thing to be a grandpa. It really is. It's a lot of fun. And even if you don't have any natural children of your own, you have that privilege when you see children that are around you to love on them and show them that godly example. There's lots of ways to do that. We need solid men to stand up in the body of Christ and answer the call of God and do whatever they can for his glory. Sometimes we get sidetracked and thinking, oh, in a lot of churches it seems that the ladies are the only ones who are doing anything spiritual. Guys, let that never be our case. Let it always be important that the men stand up and take their place and say, God, I seek you with all my heart. Can I get an amen? 
Then it speaks of older women here, speaking about lives of reverence so that in the end, they will neither end up as gossips nor drunks, but models of godliness. By looking at them, the younger women will know how to love their husbands and children, to be virtuous, pure, keepers of a good home, and to be good wives. It's funny, isn't it? All these things changed through the years. Years ago, most women still stayed home. They didn't have a career outside of the home. When I was a little boy growing up on our street, most of all the moms still stayed home. They weren't out working a separate career. But as our culture and our times have changed, today it's hard to find a stay-home mom. Many, many times moms and grandmas are back out in the workforce working to make ends meet, to find ways to find a provision for their family, and some just because they enjoy working and being out there and doing their very best. So how do you blend it together? Well, pastor, he sounds like this is sort of sexist. You gotta remember the time. You gotta understand what he's speaking here. He's not discouraging women from being who they're called to be. God has called women to be women. He's called men to be men. And guys, it won't hurt you to pick up a washcloth and help with the dishes. It won't hurt you to hurt you to help push the vacuum around and do some things. And it wouldn't hurt any of us to get the clothes in the hamper. Hallelujah. Sometimes my wife will say, you know that little pile over there? That, yeah, that's all your stuff. Yeah, you know. And it, it could go right in the closet in the bathroom. But I might want to wear that again. Sorry, guys, that, that doesn't really just work too well. It still needs to go in the hamper. We've we got to find ways to do it. And together, when you realize that as a family today, most of the chores in most modern families are shared by everybody. There's so many demands going on in families. How then do we find a way to make it work for us? Well, the good news is there's no family that's exactly like another family. So you have to listen to the Lord. You have to follow after God. I like it here how it speaks for these young wives to be able to get some advice. Ladies, never be ashamed to be able to say to one of the older women or someone who is more mature than you are, how do you do this? How do you make this happen? Find ways to get wisdom and learn and apply it to your life. See, we don't want anybody looking down on the gospel. We want them to know that in your home there is peace. I've got to tell you, in the world, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of emptiness. And if anything, our children need to know that their house and their home is a safe place. Now, if you're a single parent and you're raising the kids, you've got even more going on there. But you know what? God said he'd be your husband if you are by yourself. He would be your companion to you if you're a single dad that's raising the kids. He finds this way of touching us through his Holy Spirit and making it possible for every single one of us to have the power of God. So young men, learn how to have disciplined lives. Man, that's one of the challenges, isn't it? To be disciplined, to find an order, to find a way to make everything work out. For families, it can put pressure on everybody. Is there enough money to pay the bills? Is there enough time for activities to go on? I want to encourage you, if nothing else, schedule family time. I know, it may sound funny. I've heard people say this. Well, we just let it happen naturally. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But if it does, it, it does. i got to tell you something. You schedule most everything else in your life. And you that have kids, you're taking them to school projects. You're taking them to sporting events, band and musical events, scouts and everything else. You need to schedule time together as a family. 
that you say to everybody, you know what, Thursday night, um, we don't do anything with anybody else. We're here at the house. And maybe you incorporate everybody helping in the kitchen to cook the meal. Somebody puts the plates out. Somebody takes and puts uh, the napkins and forks and knives and spoons out. Somebody does the dishes that night. Everybody has a job. And then take some time. Whether you get a board game out or you do something else, you spend time together. Spending time together is not everybody sitting on the couch looking at their phones. I sent mom a text. I don't know why she hasn't answered. Talk. Thank God for modern technology. There's some good things that are there. But, you know, sometimes the modern technology doesn't come anywhere close to real relationships. Touching somebody, giving them a hug or a kiss, finding a way to express yourself. And for any of the teenagers here, listen, you know what? If you're going to break up with somebody, don't send them a text message. Now, you know, if you're in fourth grade, you send notes to each other, right? I like you. Do you like me? Fill in the box. You know, whenever I did that, I would have a yes and a no box I would put in, and I would give to some girl and pass the note over there. Every time the notes came back to me, there was a third box that said maybe. Uh, you know, that's not the way to find a way in this modern world to communicate. Talk from your heart. Because sometimes just because you send a text with exclamation points on it, nobody really knows that you're mad. Express yourself. Talk to each other. And with families, the thing is for each of us, we have to live by faith. We look at every situation. We know that in reality there's some big things that are going on. But by faith, we can see the answer. By faith, we see the possibilities that God has for us. And that gives us courage. So you that are married, I want to encourage you to stay married. Work it out. Plan right now. Do something to bring maintenance and love to your marriage every single day. Don't ever sit back like the old joke was when the man came in to see the pastor and his wife says, Pastor, my husband doesn't love me. We've got all kinds of problems. And the man looks at the pastor and says, Pastor, I told her I loved her at the altar. If I change my mind, I'll let her know. Guys, you need to say I love you a little bit more. You need to show some through your actions. Yeah, but I can't afford flowers. I can't afford this. You know what? You don't always have to give flowers. Flowers are nice. But now here, let me just say something as we approach Valentine's Day. It's a racket. It's a racket. Those same dozen roses are going to cost $12 the week after Valentine's Day. Now, if you want to spend it and do something special, splurge and go all out. Hallelujah. Get the chocolates from Laga Marcinos so you can get the real stuff, not just from Walgreens that were packaged three years ago. All right? Do something special. Do something special for each other. But don't just look and say, okay, Valentine's Day and your birthday, I'm going to tell you I love you. Tell your children you love them. Tell each other that you love them. It is an important thing to maintain your marriage, to maintain your home. Because when your kids face the challenges at school, and they will, they'll face all kinds of issues. Today, even fifth graders are having people talk to them about their sexuality. If they will feel safe at home, then they'll come to you and talk to you about it. They'll share from their heart. And that way they can know they can always talk to mom and dad. I want you to know that that kind of love is the love that Jesus Christ gives to every one of us. And when you share that love, then the power of God falls.
Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you now for families, for every single makeup in each and every home. I thank you that no matter whether it's mom or dad or a single parent or even grandparents or aunts and uncles that are raising a family, that you would put your hand of blessing upon them. Now use your spirit to guide each of us in the decisions we make. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and have you open up your Bibles in the Old Testament to the book of Haggai. <laughs> that may not be one that you're used to going to all the time. It's there right toward the end of the Old Testament. Haggai chapter 2. Now this past week, we took time on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday for a time of prayer and fasting. And so we would take time each day, someone would fast a complete meal or a particular item, and we were doing something to say to our bodies, you don't control us, but we are led by the Spirit of God. Because as believers, we're all supposed to hear God's voice, amen? And so we would get together Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, and we were just praying and interceding before the Lord. And God brought a lot of things up to our attention. He was still emphasizing to us the importance of us praying for our children and for our youth and young adults especially. Listen, we've got to make sure that not only our generation hears the gospel, but the next generation hears the gospel. And that takes work. Uh, parents, you know that you get to share your faith with your kids. Take time to have prayer together as a family. And I know if you're working different schedules, it can be hard to get everybody together. Maybe you're on different shifts. But even if you can take a couple times a week and get together and pray before your children go to bed, it sets a good pattern that will stay with them for the rest of their lives. You can even have devotions. You can read a chapter in Scripture. Find something that you can do together just to share your faith. And as we were praying, we put a lot of these up on the church's Facebook page of things that were mentioned. We prayed for countries and different cities, for a move of God, and for the power of the Lord to fall. And we especially prayed, there was one night uh, God was really emphasizing the prodigal. He was talking to us so much about praying for people that at one time were a part of the church of Jesus Christ, and it doesn't matter what the denomination, but at one point they were in church and something happened. They either got hurt or they got offended or something happened that they just pulled back and said, you know what, I don't need this anymore. I don't need conflict. Sometimes churches get in arguments about the goofiest things. I'll never forget being in Bible college. There was a small church out in the country that had seniors come and be able to preach and, and share, and we would rotate through. They didn't have a pastor. And that church was so funny because they had argued about the color of the carpet in the church. Now, they had red carpet that came down the center aisle and a tile everywhere else, and the stage had red carpet on it. And the hymnals that they had all were purple. And they, when I came in, I met with one of the leaders, and I was going to speak that Sunday. And he said, I want you to know, he said, our carpet is red for the blood of Jesus. And he said, our hymnals are purple for the royalty of Christ. And I thought it was odd to bring it up. And then I noticed that there were people that sat in specific places. And there was one side, it was just two rows or two sections in this particular church. And on this side, it was a smaller group of people than this side. Well, that can be a lot of things. It can be the way the heating or air conditioning comes on. It can be a lot of different things. And people choose to find where they sit. 
So after the service was over, uh, they were going to take us out to eat, and there was two different groups of people that wanted to take us out to eat. And this group over here, these were the people that didn't like the red carpet. They were wanting royal blue, but their decision was outvoted by the building committee. And so these people over here were all together. We want to take you out. And they mentioned some place. And the other people said, no, no, no. We're going to take them out. We're going to take them out. Because there was a couple of us boys that went. And, and it was just like, what? What's going on here? What's taking place? And I'm sorry, it was my junior year of college, not senior. And so as we're standing there realizing that there's conflict, I looked at the man who had welcomed me when I came in. And I said, what's the big deal? I said, you know, if you want to take us out, great. We're college students. We love food. And he said, well, you don't understand. He said, we were supposed to put new carpet down, and there was a group that wanted the red carpet for the blood of Jesus, and another wanted the royal blue for the royalty of Christ, and they got outvoted, and they haven't talked to each other in months. Now, you know what? That's the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. The truth is this. It doesn't matter what color carpet. Man, we must be backslidden. We have mauve. It doesn't matter what kind of carpet is there. We have to get along with people. And if we're going to see blessing come into our life, we've got to be walking in love. We can't be nitpicky about all kinds of things. And when we were praying for these prodigals, no matter what somebody got offended about, you know what? They most likely still love Jesus. And most likely, if the rapture would take place, they're going to be going to heaven. They haven't walked away from God. And yet they're out there all alone. I want to encourage you specifically to love on people. Especially if you run into folks that say, no, 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 I used to do church. I don't do that anymore. Love on them. Listen, the church needs them. We need everyone together working in one accord to reach this community for Jesus Christ. So that was a big emphasis in our prayer time and many of the missionaries and other people we prayed for. So this morning, I believe that what we're going to go into with the word here, it touches on several areas, but it's important for us to know that God wants you blessed. But if you're supposed to be blessed, you can't be walking in hatred, division, and strife. We've got to be walking in love. So let's look at this in Haggai chapter 2, starting at verse 6 through 9. I'm reading out of the New King James here. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more it is a little while and I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So here's Haggai. He's speaking out prophetically, sharing what God's laid upon his heart. And he begins to speak several things here. He says, listen, God can shake heaven and earth because God is God. Hallelujah. Sometimes people forget that we serve a miracle working God. Just because things look impossible, do not think that it is impossible. Use your faith and believe for God. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you need to pray for your sports teams. Okay? Or when you're playing Yahtzee. 
or anything else like that. Don't be praying over your dice. It isn't going to do it. Pastor, I prayed and it did work. It, stop it. Here's the thing. Let's talk about that just for a minute. Within sports, some teams are having a good day. Some teams are not having a good day. And some teams can be absolutely great, and all of a sudden something goes wrong, and they're not in unity anymore. We didn't watch the full game last night. We turned over at one point, forgot that it was on. We had other things come up. And as we're watching it, we're seeing everything that's happening. And as it comes down to the last few seconds of the game, all of a sudden you see this pass that's given, and the guy grabs it in the end zone, and you just think, I thought we were going to lose, but we tied. Something happened in the last minute. Now, I've got to tell you something. God is more and greater than any sports team out there, even for the Bears. I know I'm a minority. I understand that. That's all right. In fact, my wife and I are an interracial couple from the very beginning. She was maroon and white, I was orange and black, and we've been married 33 years. It can work. What we have to find out here is what the Word says. He says He can shake heaven and earth. So the impossibility in front of you, I want you to know God can break it down and make it possible. Then it goes on and says that the silver and the gold are His. First of all, never forget God created everything on this earth. Hallelujah. He knows exactly where every one of the resources are, and he can help you find what you need. Then he goes on, and he gives us really a two-point idea here. He talks about the latter temple, because we know that in the New Testament, the Bible says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yet we know that in the end times, prophetically, the temple in Jerusalem will be rebuilt. Right now, a lot of people have controversy and they talk about there's a mosque in the area that the temple was. There's still the temple wall that the Jews go and pray at. But I'm telling you this, God can break down walls. God can move mountains. And the impossible can become possible when you put your faith and trust in God. Amen? Hallelujah. God is always promoting his children. He's always wanting to bless them. When he speaks here, the glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. There was a time that the very first temple that was built, it literally shined. Jerusalem is built up on a hill. And so every place around it, when you would look at Jerusalem, the temple was in the highest area and it would shine. The jewels, the gold that plated the place. It was gorgeous. The sun would hit it and the place would just shine for miles and miles around. And I got to tell you something. God says you're the temple of the Holy Spirit and to him you shine like that. I know we all have days, don't we, that we don't feel like a glorious temple. <laughs> Pastor, I'm just trying to do my best to keep afloat. I'm just doing my best to keep going. I understand those moments, but please listen to me. Work through them because God intended you to be his glorious church. God intended you to be his children, and he wants to pour out his power upon you. Remember, Adam committed high treason, and he surrendered to Satan. Adam gave in to temptation. And there's always temptation around us. Sometimes we get tempted to forget about the miraculous because we prayed about something and it didn't happen right then. Eh, maybe my faith isn't big enough. Maybe I don't do it right. Something's wrong here. Why should I keep praying about this? Sometimes you just have to pray through. 
Sometimes it's hard. When you make a decision of faith, you're going to hit some obstacles. Now, if you remember, I told you that uh, at the beginning of the year that my goal was to begin to lose some weight. I just put on too much weight this year. I could feel it when I was walking around, everything. And so it, I, I've been in the process of losing weight. This morning when I got on the scales, it was 19 pounds down from New Year's Day. Man, I like that. But you know what? I, I was a very heavy pop drinker. Every meeting I went to, I had some Pepsi. I had something else to drink. I was always putting carbonated drinks into me. When I went off the pop, let me tell you, I had some headaches. It was tough. The temptation was there of still wanting to go back and drink some soda or whatever you want to call it. I wanted to have that Pepsi. But I knew I wanted to lose weight more. I was tired of buying my suits at Moline Tent and Awning. <laughs> I wanted to do something different. If you make a decision of faith, know this, there's going to be some obstacles. Be prepared for it. Listen, the Bible says to us, if you're going to do battle, no one goes into battle without making a battle plan. If you're going to take a step of faith, let's say you've never given financially to the Lord, and you know the Bible speaks about tithing and giving, this kind of thing, and you've always thought, I can't do it, I can't do it, we can't afford it. I want you to know, God said he will rebuke the devourer for you. He will do his work. But if you have never done it before, get ready, there's going to be a battle. Well, that's why I don't do it, Pastor. I've heard people say they make a decision to start tithing and their water heater went out, they got a flat tire, they got this and that, and they couldn't afford it. i got to tell you something, you can't afford not to be a giver before God. Because when you give, the word says, God will pour out blessings back upon you. But be ready that there will be some obstacles in front of you. Just know that there will be moments that Satan will try to fight you. Just like when it comes to sickness. If the doctor tells you they found a spot or they found a growth or this or that's going on, just know that the enemy wants you to get discouraged. But I am so glad that God is the great encourager. I'm so glad God is the one who stands and says to us, you can do this. Jesus was tempted in all these ways, yet he was more than a conqueror. And his spirit lives in me. If you've got him living in you, say amen. amen. Let's go over to the New Testament here, to the book of Luke chapter 4. Hallelujah. Now we know that there'll be some resistance, there'll be some things that come up, but yet you can do this. Isn't it interesting that scripture we read earlier today out of Titus was for young men to be disciplined. It takes discipline not to give in to temptation. And yet have you ever thought to yourself, it's really not that big of a deal I'm not hurting anybody, it's just me. It's the decision I'm making. Well, let's look here in Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 5, and we're going to read through verse 8. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all this will be yours. And Jesus answered, and he said unto him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. 
Later on, it goes on and says that the devil departed from there, and then angels came and ministered to Jesus. And when he came back into town, the Bible says he came in power and authority. Jesus was tempted in every way that we are. That's why that 40 days went on with him out in the wilderness like that. The devil tried to tempt Jesus. The devil got the title deed to the earth back from Adam and Eve. I've heard people before read this and say, now wait a minute, look, see, the devil's a liar. He didn't have those kingdoms to give. Yes, he did. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, they gave the authority. They gave the blessing that God had given them to him because they fell into sin. Know this, the devil is a liar, and he'll always get you to try to compromise to do something evil instead of having a standard of righteousness in front of your life. You just have to know how to stand. You've got to know the truth. You've got to know how the word goes. So when Adam and Eve were falling into sin, there came curse upon the earth of poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. These three things showed up that had never been before. Adam and Eve had never had to deal with any of those things. And now, all their provision that was in the Garden of Eden, all the other things that were there in their life, were all under attack because they had given in to temptation. In fact, Adam delivered that power unto the devil. Well, then what happens? When Jesus comes into your life, he gives you authority. He tells you that you can rebuke things. He tells you that you can bind and loose spiritually. He tells you that you are not working for a kingdom here on this earth, but you are citizens of all of heaven. We may live on this earth, but folks, our, our goal is not just to build ourselves a little kingdom here. Well, we've all been around people before that all they seem to live for is how much they can gather on the earth. Our whole country went through Powerball crazy. Now, if you bought tickets, don't tell me. I had someone come up to me one time and say, well, if somebody won the lottery and they gave you money, would you take it? I said, absolutely. But pastor, you don't gamble. You don't do those things. Why would you take gambling money? I said, money is money. And the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Hallelujah. Well, you're not going to walk up to somebody and say, you're wicked. Give me money. But you know what? Money is money. It doesn't become bad. Wow, let's see. Uh, Josh and Noah, would you both come up here? Hi, Josh. Do you like to have money? You like to do things with money? Or do you just like to save it? You like saving it. Okay. Noah, what about you? You like money? I guess. You guess? All right. Well, he likes it, so there you go. Uh, no, come on back up here, Josh. Do you save it or do you spend it? What do you do? Half and half. Half and half. Okay. Well, that's a good thing. It's good to have a little money to be able to do that with. But now, what if I told you that that money came from someplace that was not very reputable? You still want it? You're not sure? All right. Keep standing there. But now, you could do some really good things with money, Noah. Would you like to have some money? Sure. All right. There you go. Thanks. Now, Josh, you've got $2 in your hands, or is it in your pocket already? Smart man. 
So having those dollars, you can go out and bless somebody with that money. Or you could decide that you're going to just tuck it away someplace. Or what would happen if you lost it? Wouldn't you go out and look for it? Yeah. I mean, now I'll tell you what. Those $2, go ahead and get those back out. Okay, now, if you'll give me those $2, the next bill I pull out here, I'll give to you. Would you be willing to trust me on that? If I told you it'll be a blessing, it'll bless you. You're going to give it to me? Why would you give me that money? You trust me. Oh, that's good. All right. Yep, oops, we're losing money. Better pick that up. All right, there you go. Here's a 20. That's because you like money. And you can use it for some good. Okay, give them both a nice round of applause. You're taking your brother out for ice cream, by the way. <laughs> money is just that. It can't be good or bad. It's just a tool. What will you do with it? Now, some people worship it. Some people have a way of living their life that they make it more important than anything else that's out there. And yet, in this scripture, God speaks, and he reminds us that the enemy comes to tempt. He comes to steal. He comes to destroy. But Jesus came that you might have life, and you might have it more abundantly. Let, let's stay in the New Testament. We're going to look at quite a few scriptures this morning. Go with me, if you would, over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Noah, do you still want to keep that dollar? You sure? Do you want to trade it for one? Okay, bring it up here. Now, why are you going to give me the money? You trust me. All right. All right, well, good. All right, here's a 20 for you. All right, there you go. Now, take your grandmother out to eat. You want me to, yeah, you want to come up here? Sorry. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Take a look at verse 4. Starts out and it says, Whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God, should shine upon them. The God, small g. Now today when people text and do things on their computer, a lot of times when they write about God, they don't capitalize it. But God should be capitalized because he is the God. Small g is referring to something else. It's not referring to the creator of all the world. And so as we read here in our scripture, and it begins to say, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Some people it might say in your translation, the God of this world system, small g. I want you to know that Satan wants to blind people. Satan wants to keep them from hearing the truth. And so he'll line up all kinds of temptations. Why living by faith won't work? Why praying for healing won't work? Why trusting God for provision won't work? There's all kinds of ways the devil will try to hit you. Or Satan will try to come to you and say, remember your past. 
Remember when you did this? God could never use you. I'm telling you, if you'll say yes to the Lord, God will use you. I know, sometimes in church history and tradition, you find that people had certain doctrines or opinions, and they looked and they said, no, 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 once you do this sin, God will never use you again. But I can't find that in Scripture. All I can find is that when you repent, God says you are forgiven. So the God of this world, as the King James Version says, or the God of this age, please know this, Satan continually tries to tempt people, and he tries to do it in different ways, but it always goes back to the same thing. He tries to get you not to trust. I've known both of you boys since you were born. I'm glad you trust me. That's important. Trust is something that you earn. Sometimes we blow it. We make bad decisions and we lose somebody's trust. But then you know what? The important thing is for you to work at getting that trust back. Work at it with all of your heart. Stay in the New Testament. Keep this in mind about this God of this age and look in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. Hebrews 4 and verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now, I've heard people read this before and say, well, of course, he was the son of God. You, as a believer, are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. If you've already made Jesus Lord of your life, would you say amen? Now, folks, if you're here as a, as a person who's never accepted Christ, I want you to know this is not a club. This is a family. This is a body of believers. These are people that are knit together with their heart, with the living God. We've all messed up. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus forgave us. He brought that power in. It goes on and it says here that Jesus is our high priest. When he was out in the desert... He had no water, he had no food, and his body was weak. He was fasting and praying. When you set up a time to fast, i got to tell you, sometimes that temptation will come big. It really will. My, my wife had made a decision she was going to fast french fries. And so we went to some place and she was going to get something to eat. And she told the waitress, she said, I don't want any french fries. That was one of the things on her list. And so when they brought the plate out, here was her food with a pile of French fries. And my wife said, I, I didn't order the French fries. She said, oh, yeah. And so here are the French fries looking at her. I saw one move on the plate just saying, eat me. She didn't eat any French fries. She did. I rebuked those French fries in Jesus' name. Pastor, you mean French fries are bad now? I didn't say that. But that was something that God spoke to her about. <laughs> Isn't that weird? I mean, she specifically told the waitress, I do not want fries. And what do they do instead of just bringing out a little tiny portion? Heaping fries. <laughs> I'm telling you, we all laughed and got so tickled. Isn't that the way the devil is? Sometimes you make a promise to God, Lord, I'm going to do this. And then the enemy tries to come sweeping in. But the good news is God is bigger than a French fry. 
He's bigger than any temptation that's out there. Now, you don't have to turn to this scripture, but make a note, if you would, in your notes about Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. At a moment in Daniel's life, we see that as the scripture is being written in the story about him and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were brought into a prison, literally because of their faith. They were taken captive. And as they were brought in there, the food that was going to be served to them didn't match with what they had standards of eating. There were certain things that they had said to God that they would never eat. There were certain promises and health issues that they had as Jews that they chose not to do. And now there was a time that they were in prison and there were certain foods going to be served to them. And so Daniel, he purposed in his heart, it says in verse one, or I'm sorry, in verse eight, it says he purposed in his heart that he would not compromise. I got to tell you something. You've got to know now what you believe because the enemy will try to cause you to compromise just like that. You need to know. Yeah, but I'm young in my faith. I haven't been a believer very long. I know it. That's why you study, you learn, and get yourself prepared because you need to know what you believe because the temptation will come out there to have you do something that you're not ready to do or maybe something that you shouldn't do at all. And so here was Daniel. He says to the chief jailer, he said, listen, we don't eat these type of foods. Can we change the the diet for us? And he said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, this is what everybody eats. And he says, listen, if you will let us only eat vegetables at this particular time, in 10 days, we will look exactly the same as the other people that are eating the king's portion. And he said, if you don't look the same, I'm going to get in trouble and could lose my job. He said, the rest are going to have good, fat, full cheeks because of what they're eating, and you're going to be skinny and gaunt. And Daniel said, we have a standard we've held up before the Lord. And so after 10 days, the children of Israel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, had gone before the chief jailer. And as he stood there, the chief jailer looked at the ones who had been eating the king's portion and those that had not. And he actually looked at the four and he said, you know what? He said, your face sort of shines. He said, there's almost something to your skin. You look healthier than the ones who've been eating the king's diet. He said, all right. As long as you continue to look like this, we'll have a special diet set up for you. Stand your ground. Stand your ground and know that sometimes you're going to have to speak up about what you believe. In fact, sometimes you're going to have to show a certain standard and say, I can't do that. I don't do those things because you have a faith in God. Oh, pastor, I came out of a church that was legalistic like that. Hear me out. I'm not into legalism. I'm into listening to what the Word of God says and the Spirit says to me. I want to do what God has said. There may be some of you that would watch certain shows that I would never watch. I'm not going to come up to you and say, you heathen. I heard you watch such and such a show. I heard you did this and this. There must be something wrong with you. You need to repent. Each of us have to listen to our own heart. We have to know that if we allow evil to come in, it will try to hinder the power of God in our life. But if we let God come in, it's going to help you grow in your faith. 
So, Pastor, are there certain things we shouldn't do and should do? Well, of course there are. That's why the Bible is written. It tells us those things. But I'm not here today to be your guide. The Holy Spirit is your guide. He's the one who will teach you. I'll show you the truth, but then you have to walk it out. You have to live it out. See, we have to do these things according to the Word of God. The money that you need right now is down here on this earth. It's not up in heaven. God's not going to rain pennies from heaven. That may have been a popular song years ago, pennies from heaven, but that's not going to take place. You don't go to the mall and get in the fountains and steal the money. That, that's not it at all. Okay? Wow, look at God gave all this money for me here. I'm going to go in and scoop it up. That's not it. The truth is, God has a standard he wants you and I to keep, and, and we have to find that standard. Yeah, but why does it look that certain Christians get away with stuff that I don't do? Why do they get away with it? You know what? Leave that between them and God. What? No, no, no. We should go up to him and tell him, you're wrong. You're wrong because you don't do everything I do. Listen to the word of God. I, I want to jump ahead here. Um, Adam, I'm going to have you skip a couple scriptures here and go to 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Toward the end of the New Testament, 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. And in his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Anything can become an idol. Well, you know, I'm trying to serve God, but I'm still holding on to this. Sometimes the junk that we hold on to from our past or something that is not right, but we don't think it's hurting anybody else, we don't realize it's hurting us. We make it an idol. We appreciate it more than we appreciate the idea that God is bigger and brings miraculous power. I want to encourage you to let go of any idol. Let go of thinking about that past or let go and think about that habit no longer because those things try to hold us in bondage. There's lots of habits out there, folks. There's lots of habits. Sometimes it's habits that deal with food. Sometimes it deals with sex. Sometimes it deals with this issue or that issue. You have to find out what God wants for you. And letting go, you're going to have to have a war plan. You're going to have to have a plan to get through it because the temptation to go backwards is strong. You hear people talk about this. Even when all the politicians, all the goofy stuff, you know, because we're so close to Iowa this way, we get in the sway of everything that's on the news with every politician that comes in town. And don't you, you know, sometimes you just think, oh, I don't want to watch regular TV. I, can't we just turn on regular television on, on satellite and watch that or on cable or something? I don't want to see the political ads. But you hear politicians stand up, we're going to return to the old American values. What are those values? A lot of people think they're just talking about Christian values, and maybe that is the case. 
but sometimes there's values that we had as a nation that are not good. There's things we've had to repent of as a nation before God. I tell you that I believe there is a value system that the Bible speaks of that is greater than anything we've known before. And if we we all lived for God, if us as a nation would put the Lord first, you'd see different things happening in our community. You would see different issues going on in the news because Jesus Christ would be Lord. I want to say that today because as you make decisions in the next few months about who you're going to vote for or what you're going to do, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. What if God speaks to you to vote for somebody you would never have voted for? I know God's talking to me, but I I don't want to vote for her. I don't want to vote for him. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that because they don't match up with my political party. Maybe there's a reason God is asking you to vote for them. You've got to listen to the Lord. You've got to hear from heaven on every single thing here. We are of God, and the world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Satan is out there trying to manipulate all kinds of things. You know how many people spent two bucks on their Powerball ticket and got nothing? Yeah, but you know, you've got to play to win. I understand. I understand people do that. I understand that there are Christians who have done it and done good things with the money that they got. I'm not here to dissuade any of that in history that's gone on. All I know for me is, you know what? I'm pretty extreme on things. If I get started with something, I just go all out with it. Well, not me, Pastor. I'm, I'm just wishy-washy. Well, lucky you. No, I don't think that's too good either. If I got tempted, if I got started in gambling, I don't know if I could stop. So for me, it's best that I don't do it. Do you think other people should gamble? No, but they do. Well, that doesn't mean I go up to them and say, hello, heathen. My job is to be salt and light in the world. And I have no business calling anybody a heathen. My job is to love people as Jesus did. He hung out with the tax collectors, the prostitutes. He hung out with those who were rejected by others, and yet he loved them. Why? Because he knew the power of God could change any life. As we go forward, as we move ahead, I don't know what you may be needing God for, but I believe he is more than enough. I believe that he is the provider. He's the one when you put your faith and trust in him, he can make everything happen as you wait upon him. See, there's a triumph that is waiting for all of us. And so today, maybe it's a health issue, maybe it's financially, maybe it's whatever that has been in front of you and you keep trying every year. January comes around and you keep trying and yet it seems that you fall backwards. This is your year of breakthrough. This is your day to keep moving ahead and trusting in God. And when the circumstances try to tell you no, when you've done all to stand, stand. Put your faith and trust in God and let him lift you up. Yeah, but these issues, these certain things are really important to me. I understand that. Keep living godly because just like the first scripture we we read today out of Titus, people are looking at us. If what you're doing is good, they're going to start to model it. They're going to follow it because they're seeing something that works. But if you never talk about Jesus, if your family doesn't talk about Jesus, if you as a home don't show anything of Christ anywhere, how is anybody going to see Jesus? 
Never be ashamed to say, I'll pray for you. Never be ashamed to say, God did something for me. Have faith in God. That's where the power comes. That's where the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes. And if there is some booger bear out there, some boogeyman under your bed that tries to tell you what you can't do, tries to scare you in some way, today I want you to know the devil is supposed to be under our feet. Christ conquered him on the cross and gave us victory. So let the victory of God reign big in your life. Worship team, would you come? While they're coming, I want to read one last scripture to you out of the book of Romans chapter 8. The Bible is so full of truth. It is just so amazing. It is truth. Romans 8.37. Romans 8.37 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am more than a conqueror. Would you say that with me? I am more than a conqueror. But I don't feel like a conqueror. It doesn't matter what you feel like. Feelings come and go. Sometimes our feelings lie to us. Hmm. How many of you drink Diet Pop, Diet Coke? Raise your hand. All right, you can put them down. How many of you drink regular pop or soda? Okay, you can put them down. I read an article, I had read something like this years before, but it was given some of the detail of what's in Diet Pop compared to what's in regular pop that's in the can. And they talked about all these chemicals that were in it. And they said after a study that was done by the University of Dallas that they had done for nine years in a row, they studied people who only drank diet soda. And they found out that the people who drank diet soda put more weight on than people who drank regular pop because of certain things in the chemicals that when they get inside your body, they begin to, instead of telling your body it's nutrition, your body thinks, well, I don't recognize this, it's not food. And it immediately begins to turn it into fat. I gotta tell you something. Isn't it crazy? One minute, one group is out there saying this is healthy, the next minute another group saying this is healthy, now this is bad, this is good. You need to know that scripture alone will teach us the truth. And no matter what you eat or drink, you need to know that God can take care of you. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Today, whatever mountains you are facing, I believe that the power of God can speak to those mountains and command them to go. And so whether it's healing in your body or there's something else, maybe you've been stressed out, maybe financially you've got all your credit cards come and due and you don't have enough money to be able to pay them and you need a miracle from God. It is time to trust in biblical principles. It's time to know that you have to stand in faith and turn your eyes toward Jesus. But this morning, if you've never given your heart to God, the greatest miracle that will ever happen is if we become born again if we let Christ become our Lord and Savior. So Christians, I'd like you to take a moment, feel free to lift up your hands and your voices before God, begin to thank God for what he's already done for you. But if by chance you're here and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm gonna say a prayer. And right where you are, if you want Christ to come in and be your Lord and know that he's faced every temptation you have and yet came through it victoriously, he's gonna help you come through it with victory also. If you want him in your life, say this prayer. Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is the Son of God.
come into my life. I make you Lord and Savior and King. You died for me, and now I'm going to live for you. Hallelujah. You too can lift up your hands as you praise him and thank him that you're born again. You're part of the family of God, and everything is getting ready to change in your life. Now I'll open the altar today. If you accepted Christ or if you need prayer for healing or anything else, feel free to come on down. We'd like to pray with you. But otherwise, take a moment that as the worship team sings, you can sing with them, or you can just take a moment to say, okay, God, this is it. I've tried in other years. I'm going to push through. I'm going to make it this year. I am going to see victory. I am more than a conqueror through Christ. I will see the victory. And as you pray and trust him, let's let God move. If you need prayer, feel free to come down as we wait before the Lord. Hallelujah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.